0: So you've decided to listen to the Reality Ours podcast. How brave of you. Nate and Paranoid American may think that they're merely discussing cryptozoology, interdimensional realities, and crude humor. But know this. Listening to this podcast puts you on a certain list. The Clinton body count, if you will. The truths they reveal are not for the faint of heart, nor the blissfully ignorant. Listen if you dare, but remember, some doors, once opened, cannot be closed. And now... Your hosts, those audacious explorers of forbidden knowledge, the Reality Czars, Nate and Paranoid American.
1: And we're live, kind of. Actually, we're pre-recording this, but welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and this is our 200th episode. Holy fucking shit. What? Um, what? Yep. <laughs> we're your host tonight, Nate and Thomas, the Paranoid Motherfucking American.
2: That's still me, yeah. That's still you. Two, two hundred uh, times Paranoid yes,
1: yeah, We got some fun guests on, uh, some people that have helped me in my intellectual journey, some smart thinkers, and just some friends I've made along the way. Uh, we got Pete Arquinones. What's up, brother?
3: Hey, man. What's happening to spec
1: Yeah. <laughs> Glad to have you here, man. <laughs> uh, we have uh, the great Ryan Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> we gone? have Mystic Mark here. Yo. What's up, man? And we have Charlie Robinson.
4: Thanks for having me, Nate.
1: Hell yeah, man. Uh and we should have Monica popping in here uh, anytime now. Um, but I just want Way to have you guys on and just have
3: Spanish a- last names on the same on the same, I mean it's just representing the beaners here, wrong. man. Take it over.
5: <laughs>
1: I mean that's what's happening in America right now, right? And the Latinos supposed to make 51% of the population here pretty soon. They're
3: scared I might live I might I might live in farmland, but I ain't picking no fucking fruit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, buddy. So, you know, there was one thing I wanted to ask the majority of you guys actually, but this one was mostly to uh, my post and I guess like uh current libertarian anarchist here. Um, I've just been going down like uh, mostly I have just been going down this like rabbit hole where libertarianism is just, uh, I don't call myself a libertarian anymore. It's pretty fucking goofy. <laughs> I have a hard time even calling myself an anarchist anymore. Uh, like up until like, really recently i was working for like some pretty prominent liberty pages uh making the memes and things like that and it just got cringier and cringier and like the the memes that i would make that would get the most like reactions were just super super gay and uh <laughs> and i just what's an example like what's, what's a prime example of that oh you know something like
6: like a picture uh, of
1: what's not that gay
6: not not that gay like on a scale of one to lindsey graham how gay was (laughs) it
1: (laughs) dude it was pretty fucking gay pretty fucking gay uh pretty fucking lame dude like i'll try to think of a fucking uh you know just something like uh libertarians want no violence against people or something just like just like preachy stupid bullshit that, that no one actually likes, except for other libertarians that like to smell their own farts,
6: like the Kokesh um, version of libertarianism. Isn't studying the Jefferson version, I, the subverted kind? Yeah, the NAP bro. I, I've heard the, that the, Kokesh Ra- Kokesh the is Rothbard studying. and Kokesh and Co. Uh, oh, yeah, those that kind of libertarianism.
3: I heard Kokesh is studying yeah, to be a yeah. rabbi.
6: Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh
3: shit what i've heard it fit right what in
6: <laughs> they ruined but that whole I'm thing familiar. i mean that philosophy of libertarianism like from ron paul's perspective going back towards john locke and property rights and tj and a lot of american presidents and founders that's dead it got replaced by larping anarchist that's what happened to it and they they're yeah, no, like I oh you don't exactly. want to, you, uh, you have a post office statist <laughs>
3: So
2: Was there a point man. in time, though, because like the the OG anarchists, Monica. they weren't really like, hey, Monica, the
7: hey, Full House, sorry, the, the original house. anarchists.
2: But I remember, like the I can't remember all the original names, like the, the two Italian dudes that get like hanged, and like uh, Emma, what's her name, um, Goldman. And, like Goldman. They, Goldman. Emma yeah. Goldman, right? Like they weren't necessarily <laughs> they weren't necessarily <laughs> were, like wildly popular with the kids early on, right? At a certain point, anarchism became like a like a thing. That it's you just idiotic.
6: You can't, can't have property rights and then be like, oh well, what makes that your property? Your force or something? I mean, the, there's nothing wrong with having a government. It, the problem is when it's dysfunctional. And you know, I'm See, I'm all for having confederacy. That's the the best form of government. <clears throat> it's 300 million yeah, people I mean, too I many to, try to be what I'm,
1: what I'm trying to say is sort of like a, I'm watching like, so I'm sitting here making these memes and sometimes I'm I'm wondering if you guys feel the same way. It's like, I'm almost like being a fucking pawn for like a bigger global, like globalist agenda, dude. Like as I'm making these like anarchist memes, like I feel like I'm doing like dirty work for like I don't know, dude. It's, it's really fucking interesting. Monica, you had a guest on not that long ago that was talking about how a lot of like the libertarian right wing and things like that were uh, they were kind of
7: Courtney Turner, lady? yeah, Courtney yeah. Turner. She was saying how Friedrich Hayek was basically, you know, an inside job. And and when you read it, you can why tell did, there's a whole why, like, why do they always pick on about... the
3: one Gentile? Why do they always pick on Hayek, the one Gentile <laughs> out of all of them?
7: Well, probably because the last <laughs> chapter of his book was why we need an international world order.
3: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
7: that's well, I mean, what it said. That'll says. do
3: it. All that, that's just that's just objectivism Randian objectivism
7: <laughs> yeah so that was her thing is that the libertarian stuff is uh is a setup and i i mean for me the reason that i've kind of i had the aha moment when i was like okay i'm working towards an anarchist society but it's not if we destroy the nation state we're not going to have seven billion Liechtensteins. we're going to have one world mm-hmm. government And, you know, is that just a coincidence? Is that exploitation? She's like, well, Friedrich Hayek had this chapter of how that is what we need to have happen. So it is kind of funny that they point us in that direction and then that's where we're gonna end up because we're not gonna have, we can tell with the COVID thing as soon as i mean, in LA. Obviously people do not want autonomy and they're not going to have it. Is that too much? Yeah.
6: No,
5: absolutely.
7: It no, doesn't I seem mean, like I'm exactly going to be able to go too how far. How did they it.
6: take the step from getting government <laughs> out of the marketplace? You know, stop the government from picking winners and losers in the marketplace to don't have a government at all do anything. I mean, that's such a giant leap.
7: Yeah, I mean, have it's your so book, it's thing unrealistic. Big business. Government has big business. I think I have it right here. You're
6: so fucking it. delusion. The government is a business. Like
7: as I'm making talking that to says, people that is basically really think this is going to happen. Name?
6: I wrote a Sorry, book called The Separation of Business and State.
7: Yes, I have that.
6: Yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever the government gets involved in when it tries to get involved in the market it just makes it dysfunctional and more expensive. But yeah. it's like but that's our government. The way the reason our government is like that is because there's a certain group with monopoly on media, so they decide who all is going to get to participate in government. And we don't have again. the problem in japan we don't have that problem in korea and we have police and we have a post office and we have things but they're functional it's not intrinsically going to be bad it's bad because you have is. a dysfunctional press I if think you don't have a free press everything else falls apart
7: there's the like an idea i think someone was a priest even was telling me it was like the catholic natural hierarchy is very hierarchical and so they would say that the natural form of government is monarchy but if you look at like the Illuminati and the French Revolution stuff, that's a that's a, a circle that you can't break into. If it's a hereditary monarchy or you know, whatever, if you want to say it's tribal or, or any of that, but you cannot break into that. So if you want to have power, if you aspire to power, a monarchy which might be the natural form of government because it aligns the interest of the ruling family rather than a ruling party, their actual individual heads on necks with people being happy. And if you, that's just happens to be the one form of government you absolutely cannot infiltrate if you're not already part of that actual family. You
6: can just marry into it.
7: Or, or maybe you're not you allowed. Try. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, you started, I don't know. I just I'm just saying, like, I feel like that's when it all started forced to really,
4: marriage that,
7: that monarchy into it, that's suggest. what I liked about Hoppe. When I read Hoppe, like the first sentence was basically, I mean, if you can't have anarchy is your like next best thing. I, I like, don't want either I, one. I, I, I mean, I want division
6: that. of powers. I don't want a king. I don't mind having. Well, you can have a constitutional
7: area. monarchy. I think that's what the official kind of. I, I've heard people from the left and the right, like old school people, priests, and uh, you know, agnostics, say like the constitutional monarchy is the way to do it because you get, you know, you have that structure, you have that really. Have- like the
6: UAE, they have a confederacy and monarchies. Do you guys remember, remember that under a confederacy where you have like Switzerland that just has a confederacy? But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this this federal looming federal government, one size fits all, just doesn't work, especially in the United States. The The difference between California and Alabama and Alaska is just too vast. They don't need to be all ruled over one roof. It's a it's a winner take all kind of system.
8: Yeah. What were you going to say, Mark? Mark? What were you saying? Uh, do you guys remember that story about the kid who programmed his microwave and stay with me here to, uh, run off of chat, GPT and AI. You guys remember that? Well, eventually he started, he created this entire backstory for this microwave. The microwave began to think on its own with the help of chat, GPT. And eventually, uh, along with advocating for Hitler, the microwave, uh, Advocated taste. for a constitutional monarchy and said that, you know, according to its AI calculations, that was the most sensible form of. <laughs>
7: <laughs> no way. <laughs> well, there you go.
3: <laughs> Papa wins again.
1: We should all listen to the microwave, I guess. Well, there, there's had a, uh, a neo-Nazi
6: microwave. Because <laughs> oh, you,
7: you gotta,
2: I was gonna say there's there's two different really like main types of monarchy too. The one that most people think of is. Uh, like the father passing it down to the son, but that is inherent with corruption, inbreeding, all sorts of problems come from that. And Absolutely. there's like a really good solution to that. And there was a book written in like the late 1800s called The Golden Bough, and it's also described in uh, I think the Crowley's Toth Deck, where they meant they mentioned the like the Journey of the Fool, but that the original sort of dynasties were actually exogenic where it was passed down to the daughter and the only way that you could take over a kingdom is you would have to come from an outside like clan or or country and you would normally have to sneak in and then usually like like the Robin Hood story you'd have to win uh, some sort of competition by merit and then win the heart and you know and the, the hand of the princess but the last step of that is that you'd also have to kill the king and this basically ensured not only would you not be inbreeding, but you'd always get like that virulent, uh, per- like the go-getter, right? You'd always get the go-getter taking over, and they'd always have to like sneak into the country, and that's where we get like this concept of Beauty and the Beast and um, like the Robin Hood having to dress up and sneak into the country. But this was a good thing because it made sure you weren't going to fuck your brother, you know what I mean, or like or like some random second cousin. <laughs> and it's sort of but her, but between, still that
3: merit aspect, but you just but between third and ninth cousins um mar- mar- copulation and birth um giving birth between third and between third and ninth cousins has actually proven to be to improve the genetics in the long run
2: but it also in in uh somewhat guarantees that like DNA genetic family familial based dynasties. Whereas this other exogenic version of it was the stark opposite where I don't like the idea requirement of be being in charge. So, I
3: mean, so.
6: Like you could have <laughs> a queen under that system. Didn't
7: Japan have some kind of like parallel stuff like that, where the emperor was the emperor and he was like divine and it passed down like that, but it was other families that really jostled for ruling dynasty position over you know, huge swaths of time, but they've still, it's had always this, like, like that. You'll have a, a thousand, years. you'll
6: have a king and a queen or a sultan or an emperor or whatever, but it's just your land holding elites and daimo or whatever that actually make decisions. Like nobody in Kyoto or Edo knows what the hell is going on in Hiroshima and things, well, especially before
7: <laughs> support your point about like different, you know, why would Alabama and Alaska and like the obvious answer is that. The geographical and geological and climate differences really determine why places need to be locally governed from like water rights to before there was air conditioning, like the South would have plantations or farms or whatever, and the North would have factories because it was cold up there. So when you, if you have systems like that, where there's a very low population and land then you totally disenfranchise entire swaths of people if you're just counting like one person, one vote, which is where the Electoral College comes in. But I feel like people don't see how culture and systems emerge from the natural environment.
6: It, some of it's the environment. Some of it's just the sheer size. Like nobody, even if you had a benevolent king or something, which isn't going to happen, they wouldn't possibly... Be able to have enough knowledge to know what is going on right. in Louisiana and Alaska and yeah. Hawaii and whatever. Right. It's just too many little decisions that have to be made that need to be bore right. out through market forces. That's the best way to do it. For there isn't a perfect way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Someone that's there and knows what's going on. At, somebody in Kansas doesn't have to worry about beach erosion.
7: But that's right? what subsidiarity is good for, too. I'm not, I'm not for centralized government at the top at all, but I yeah. feel like there is subsidiarity, takes care of some of that and yeah, I agree with you. There's never really been a world hegemon and it may be impossible because they try to do that on the world scale. They absolutely can't do that on the world scale. And I think what they're doing right now, if you listen to the GOP well, debates, they all want to invade Mexico. I think they're trying to <laughs> like make a regional hegemony, see if that works. But yeah, you're right. They can't even handle it here.
6: They want to invade Mexico. What are they going to fight the cartels?
7: Yes. I was like, Oh, that's why they keep smuggling fentanyl. in." I, I didn't even realize it's the new, like terrorism. We've got to invade this, you know, Central America or Middle East or whatever, whatever. What is it now?
6: I did an interview with Larry Johnson. He used to work for the state department on just how bad that would go. If we tried to take on the cartels, it's, it's basically like attacking an anthill with a hammer.
3: Well, there is, there, there was a war college paper that came out, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that basically said, when it comes to like l- legitimate fighting men in the military, the United States has less than thirty thousand.
6: Like, I mean, the recruiters said they can't even do the push-ups test, so they just started lowering the test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they,
3: you,
7: that's because of the women. I will say, fight, they,
3: there's no way they that's could fight a bad. ground of obesity. right now. They couldn't oh, right. fight a ground war right now. I mean, like, it, what's happening to Ukraine? They, they, <laughs> they can't fly an F-35. Of, they'd be out of people. <laughs> yeah. They'd be, out, they'd be out of soldiers. And, like, they're talking about there's no way they'd be able to replace within a month the casualties they would expect to take if they were to fight Russia.
7: You don't think... Well, with the Mexico <laughs> example, though, you don't think that they would just try to use it as an opportunity to develop drone warfare? Like... To the next yeah, level. drone assassinations.
6: Yeah. That's what they would try.
7: Just send them all in. As so warm, good luck. Okay, they build a fentanyl forces.
6: lab in the basement under a house somewhere in Mexico City. Good, they good luck submarines. finding that. Like
7: they, they have
3: submarines.
7: I mean,
3: they literally have submarines. It's like they'll just go underwater and hide.
6: They're underground. Mm-hmm. They're in the jungle. Like you can blow up something in some forest somewhere, and then just build another one within a day.
7: I don't think the, the demand for drugs is the weird.
6: problem. You, you cannot. Yeah. Police this stuff again. Like you can look the same law. Like where I'm in South Korea right now, we don't have a heroin problem or a fentanyl problem. We're right next to China, we don't have that problem because people don't want to do drugs. Ultimately, it's the culture that decides. If you don't have a drug culture, you don't have a drug problem. The wall, whether it was like, legal or illegal, no one's gonna go out, wake up, and say, oh, "I'm a little bored. What should I do today? I heard smoking <laughs> crack was pretty cool. Let's try that." Like, nobody does that.
3: Or you, or you could do what Singapore does: just have the death penalty.
6: Yeah, we'll kill. <laughs> strong punishments do work, but, you know, not even wanting to do the drugs in the first place right. is even better. But they
3: have a good culture there. Even though Singapore is multicultural, they have a really good culture there. I mean, I've heard of yeah, because people because they like, have a media people. that's not yeah, well, they, they also they also have like, um, yeah, you know, people know that if they step out of line and, and spit gum on the street, they're going to get caned in public.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah you're beaten with a cane
4: yeah it's a fuck around and find out society for sure
3: it's the only way a hoppy and like a hop you know they talk about hoppy and covenant communities the only way you could have a hoppy and covenant community is is to have the threat of um as far as i'm concerned corporal kind of punishment that singapore has i mean that's the only way you're gonna have it especially if you don't have a um if if you don't have a monopoly on force and violence
6: So, well, you know, the U S does the opposite. They let shoplifters just walk out of a store with $950 worth of stuff. They won't arrest them. And if they do just take thousands of dollars worth of stuff, they don't stay in jail more than a day. Just they're out and do it again. There's no consequence for crime. You're going to have more crime, but there's consequence. If you try to prevent a crime, if you try to stop them from stealing, you'll go to jail. But the thief will not how much of that
1: ryan do you think is like a uh, a problem reaction solution type of thing yeah they're letting the society <laughs> degrade and they're like pushing drugs and sex in the culture telling the kids to get trannied telling the people to go steal shit so that there's a hard fucking reaction and people will embrace like you know just wild authoritarian laws just they're fostering to
6: racism support. on purpose because if 100%. you really look at it, the ones that are allowed to steal are the dark ones. And the majority, obviously, of any race isn't going to run out and steal stuff. But there's always some bottom feeders who are. And could, they're going to show them I on film over and live over live. again stealing. And then people are like, what's wrong? Why are these black people stealing? Right. That's what black people do. they're fostering this infighting on purpose. Get the, In their own words, get the goy to hate each other and they do the same stuff with extremists between the sexes and then all the made up genders and stuff. They put the camera on a super tiny minority like the Desmond's amazing kid, trans kids, which is like five people until it becomes a thing. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy and they they want you to hate each other and fight with each other and focus on that and not on how much money Wall Street stole yesterday. It's like I'm mad about the theft, I'm mad about shoplifting, but That just pales in comparison to how much money has been taken by Lockheed Martin through the gambit of Ukraine or how much all this white collar crime has gone on right under your nose.
1: So I'm going to play mega devil's advocate here. And if the U.S. government, if I actually thought that they were trying to make like a strong nationalist government that cared about the people, that cared about the country, that wanted like people to be fed and taken care of. Mm -hmm. I almost think I'd be, like, on board with it, but I I don't think that the the United States government has any of those kind of thoughts. I feel like they're all, like, part of a big, giant, bigger globalist plot. Like, whoever is in charge of our fucking government wants it to fail even more so, like, the way they're pushing the economics and things like that. Like, they're wanting it to fail hard so that we have to go to the DigiDollars, dollars, so that we have to go to this big, giant, global fucking thing because of the United it's States. The movie Major calls, League, right? It's, it's when like
2: <laughs> the scorned divorcee takes over the baseball team and wants to run it into the ground, and it just won't get it's, run into the ground because they're just too
1: that. damn good. Yeah, dude, I almost see it as like like lack of nationalism is a bad thing at this point, and this is weird coming from a fucking libertarian anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's nobody that fucking actually think about this. New York's not
6: on the border of anything and you've got all these migrants staying in luxury hotels in New York city. Now that's a subsidy for the hotels. So they don't mind because somebody's paying for that. They've always had a homeless problem, but homelessness is not because of a lack of housing. Homelessness is because of drug addicts. Those people get money. They have welfare, but they go and spend it on drugs migrants are now all in new york and you're having stabbings and this and that and all these problems for these yankees due to their own stupid policies This is a win-win in my book but you know who what who is bringing all these people there there's some logistics there to bring migrants all the way to new york get them in a hotel all of that which ngos whose plan is this it's almost like Have there's an organization those,
1: uh, Groups of people, dude. Yeah, those groups of migrating caravans of—they of, didn't do that, they're that all on like their fat own. And happy, they're very well fed. These groups, like when they had and a they have train no like four thousand, almost
6: all men. Yeah, they have
3: no luggage either. Yeah, Let, they're not bringing talk, anything with them.
4: Let's talk about who unlocked the door from the inside, which is yeah. the yeah. Trilateral Commission. Yeah, Jake Sullivan, yeah, who, yeah, Susan up Rice, up, and Jake Anthony Sullivan. Blinken. Who up, these borders <laughs> open? And so they have literally and figuratively welded the doors open. And if if ever there was a symbol
3: of how they actually feel. Just like Toledo, Spain in 7-Eleven. Somebody opened up the gates so that the Muslims could come in. Who who was it who opened up the gates so the Muslims could come in?
6: Hmm. Who? (laughs) Every time. Look at Newland. And the refugee crisis in Ukraine. It's like somebody wants you dead. I was like, hey, I and the the low tier one is all oh, they're bringing in all these migrants because they'll vote Democrat. Like why if you're an illegal would you get to vote at all? We don't have voter ID, it's racist. Yeah. <laughs> can't have voter id you need an id for everything else to drive a car to do to, to rent a video from a store you need an id but you don't need one to vote because See, equity or something
4: magic
1: I mean, was, like you know of things as a libertarian anarchist like all the arguments against voting and how voting is violence at being a voluntarist and things like that but it's just like it's literally crippling your community and just saying like you don't get a say in anything at all. What do you what do you guys think about that? Is it's not libertarian. The, it's
6: anything? anarchists, right? Anarchists don't yeah. believe in voting. Libertarian never yeah. said there's no government. It said minimal government. There's a huge difference. They've well, ruined the, the Libertarian Party with, like, oh, you just vote win harder. Win. Ha ha
3: ha. Also <laughs> the answer to the answer to a, a federal government that's doing what it's doing now is localism.
6: Yeah, I mean, right the, town,
3: about that. the town I live in is the, the town I live in now is has more cows and chicken, like probably 200 to one cows over people um, and 40,000 to one chickens over people. I mean, we're it's a self-sustaining. Is <laughs> that a Dublin Honda? Well, we could self-sustain if we wanted to. And that's the problem is now now what you have to do is you have to start getting involved locally in politics. And I think one of the big things. One of the most important things is if you can start getting some influence locally, you have to start advocating for them to start trying to import industry into your area because we've exported industry for so long. I mean, there are people – I mean, the war on white people in this country is also a war on their employment, okay? So if you have a bunch of white people who are out of work, you want to import – I mean – this isn't hard. I mean, Alabama, which has which is a gigantic state and we have, what, five million people in it. I mean, we can get some more people in here to work. Now, I would just worry that it'd be a lot of people from the north. And um, I was going to suggest, you know, with all these with all these shitlibs getting murdered up north, um, maybe we should start donating to bail funds above the Mason Dixon line. Maybe the, we need to keep these criminals out on the streets in New York and these places so that they can take care of the problem for us.
6: It's the Jim Leahy thing. Like, <clears throat> I'm not even going to fight it anymore. I'm going to encourage it. Because for so long with the border crisis, all these Yankees, it wasn't their problem. They didn't give a damn. Now they're being busted up there and they're immediately freaking out uh, for a few hotels full of migrants. They're so like, well, they what Texas wall. and Florida and all have had to deal with forever?
3: Dude, they do they want, want to build the wall. A wall. I say you build a, <laughs> build a wall around New York City and let them eat each other.
6: Build a wall around DC. <laughs> it's sad because New York City is such was such a cultural hub, even with Yankees. It was uh it's gonna end up like Paris. Like it's gonna be irreversible damage.
4: I was yeah. just there a couple weeks yeah. ago. Over 9 and I saw a guy. I walked by a guy and like made eye contact with him as he was
3: shooting up. It was really, awful.
4: man,
8: at least the new-
6: all kind of of tent
8: cities.
3: sounds like the 70s all over again.
4: I mean, that, yeah, that I mean, I've watched those old 70s documentaries of the guys that were like selling heroin
3: back in like I 75 grew- and everything. I grew and up in, new York like in that the 70s, 80s. Monica, too, right, Monica. <laughs> I, I did not walk
7: the streets and see people shooting heroin, although there was okay. plenty of heroin in my own house in the 70s. But yeah, there was definitely, I mean, I remember driving through the streets and seeing all the all the stores boarded up. Remember that when yeah. Koch was the mayor? Yeah, it's
3: set in 1977, half the Bronx was yeah. on fire.
6: I have never seen here. I've only been here like six months, but I've never seen someone even throw a cigarette on the ground. You're
2: out I've South never Korea, seen a cigarette
6: butt right? on the ground either, not yeah. once. Ne- never seen trash. What in the happens street?
2: if Americans in mass just start moving to your area? Yeah. <laughs> no,
6: they're not allowed. We have a functional government that keeps them out. Because <laughs> they're not anarchists. <laughs> like you know, there are borders and there are rules. How did you? You can't do that.
7: How do you get to live there? Because you don't work there, or what?
6: Because I'm married to a Korean.
7: Oh, I did not know that.
6: Yeah. I'm allowed. I'm, I'm accepted. How
7: about Japan? When you were living in Japan, right? Weren't you also in Japan? Yeah, well,
6: I was for 16 years. Back And, and were forth. are
7: there any... Because I went to Japan recently and it was almost all Japanese people. <laughs> I wondered. it's
6: yeah, 99% they, Japanese.
7: Yeah, And how is that to get Because
6: if Japanese? you can't speak Japanese, you won't make it there. So, do they so that's not a natural filter because the they're policy. not going to speak English. They won't. Right. They either can't or they won't. Right. And so uh that's a, not a lot of foreigners are bilingual. We'll put in and all if, that so effort. So if
7: you wanted to move there, they're like, get ahead.
3: Ryan, did you see that Brian Kaplan recently uh, was t- saying that Japan needs to start importing some uh, workers from the outside?
7: That's what yeah. they did to Australia.
6: Yeah, Brian, not happening.
3: Brian, libertarian Brian Kaplan.
6: Right. <laughs> <clears throat> Keep Japan Japanese, so I say. I mean, like I'm one of these people. I'm like one of the good ones, but because I assimilated, I learned the language, the culture. You know, I was already an atheist, so I fit right in. Um, didn't have a problem there, but I am a xenophobic foreigner. Like I really didn't like other foreigners because they would just come kooky nai They can't read the atmosphere they, with their stupid backpacks and their bellies and stuff. They just look so out of place, and they're loud, they're rude. They. Anytime I saw some stupid shit, it's them. Anytime there was like someone stole a bicycle, which would be big news because they don't have crime, really. It's some foreign person like every time. And I, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm not even going to help these because they're looking at me. Oh, that guy speaks English and I would not speak English to them when they know I speak English. I <laughs> looking at my face and I still wouldn't do it. I'll just speak <laughs> Japanese to them anyway because I'm like, get out of here. You know, like, they ruin it. Then they were little I mean. <clears throat> anime fetishes and stuff. And they're freaking not all. I mean, there's some cool tourists, but most of the time, you know, they're there. Uh, they'll go to a a temple and they're taking pictures of graves because they don't know what they are. And I'm like, God, get, get out of here, please. And they've ruined some spots in Kyoto and Tokyo are just inundated with Turons. But down in Kansai region, they don't really show up it's not on the like pamphlet part of japan and those are the most beautiful places it's the it's the most preserved but yeah these these foreigners come in where there was like a lgbt rally or something by a gay communist and uh like you can't even make this up it was 90 something percent foreigners Run around with their signs and stuff. I'm like, you're not even from here. What do you decide what Japanese laws ought to be? Like, there's two bathrooms. It's going to stay that way. They're not going to have a, one for people playing pretend.
7: I was on a ladies-only subway car.
6: They do have those. Yeah. They have women. Because those cars get so packed together at certain times of the day. So they have them. They segregate them. Because it only takes like one Chinese guy to get in there and grab people's boobs and things. And that's exactly what was happening. So like because you can't behave, you people. have to go on this other cart, you know. <laughs> like, it is. Like, you you can dumb? tell right away. Like, how do you know the difference between Chinese and Japanese, Korean? And like the, the ones that you can hear talking from 18 feet away, not Japanese. 100% that's Vietnam or China. Those are the two that are hard to tell apart because they're both loud as fuck and uh, don't obey any of the rules. But, you know, some of it's like over there, it's fine. Everyone in China scream talks. They don't have a normal (laughs) voice. But you go to New York or something, it's the same way. Everyone's talking fast and loud. You go on a subway there, they they, they have performance artists come on playing music on the train. In Japan, you sleep on the train. It's a perfectly safe place to take a nap. You know, you can't do that in New York, not unless you want to wake up with nothing, none of your stuff. You know, like yeah. it, it's unbelievable the level of crime in the United States. You always have to be on guard. Someone could just walk up and stab you. Like it happened that uh, Antifa activist, what's his name, Ryan something or another, yeah, got stabbed by some eighteen-year-old guy, and his girlfriend didn't even scream or anything. I wouldn't tell the cops the details because she didn't want to be stereotypical. You, it's not a stereotype, lady. You saw it happen. Be specific. What he looked like? She didn't want to say. She didn't
3: know And I for, and I forget to lock my doors half the time now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I for, I forget to lock my doors because yeah. Yeah.
6: We I have stores downstairs, I have- and I live in a city with like millions of people, not out in the countryside, and there's no staff. You're just supposed to pay on your honor. How long would that last in Chicago?
7: <laughs> My dad oh, yeah. said it was like that when he grew up in Brooklyn. I mean that was like 100 years ago, but <laughs> Well, you know,
6: that's the sad thing America was like that even in the 50s. It's not that long ago. Bring back the mafia. Yeah, from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. hey i've heard that, that a lot true. about vegas they all said it was there, better yeah. when the mob ran it than when the state <laughs> he does
7: well, have I mean, stories about that yeah j- j-
3: the neighbor john Gotti's neighborhood was one of the safest neighborhoods to live in new york there was also also in the 70s the hell's angels had a um had a clubhouse uh in alphabet city and that was that street was the safest uh first sa- between second and third in right alphabet city <laughs>
6: <laughs> the only shooting we had in Nara ever was the former prime minister. yeah, the homemade gun. Yeah That's what my joke was uh, they don't have guns and they're killing the government officials. What was that? If uh, they had that? guns, all the government would be dead
7: Yeah, was that just to get his party what they needed that election no. round? What was the the guy that
6: shot him, Tetsuya, it's, it's kind of a complex story. His mu- his father owned a construction firm. Is very wealthy, one of the most wealthiest uh, families in Nara Prefecture. He used to live in Nara City. His father died, and his mother completely ran the company under the ground. But I mean, she donated all this money to this Korean church, this cult. That was. I don't even want to call them Christian. I mean, they were, but they're not normal kind. They're one of these, you know, way out there, heaven's gate type of things. But they were staunchly anti-communist. So some of that got fostered because the U.S. fostered religious groups to make it more of a bulwark against North Korea. Like, oh, the commies are atheists, so we're going to pull it in religion, make it out of whatever. But you end up with these, like, weird, weird theologies over there. Well, Shinzo Abe's grandfather allowed this Korean cult to come to Japan. And he re- didn't agree with him on anything. Like Shinzo Abe's grandfather wanted, was like, bring back the emperor type of ultra right-wing Japanese. This cult is ultra right-wing Korean that wants to unify the two Koreas and wants to kick Japan out. So there's no overlap other than they both hate commies. So as an exchange, like he'll let you, yeah, you can enter Japan, whatever. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, in result, yeah, in return for things that they get to do in Korea. That was just something is, is Shinzo Abe's grandfather was also a prime minister and he was in the mob. He was in Yakuza. Da, 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 da. The, the grandson who was the prime minister for nine years in a row, which was the longest, like they're usually like, it's like Italy two years, max one or two years you your out or rotates. So that was the longest standing prime minister for an extremely long time, like 70-something years. He hadn't had one for that long. I think Koizumi made it five years, which was rare. He blamed Abe's family for allowing this cult to come in that his mother had given millions to. She gave away everything. They went from the richest family in Nara to one of the poorest. Him and his sister had to beg for food. And it was it's humiliating. And shame is worse than death in Japan. And, like, they didn't have means he joined the military as a job, whatever that the construction thing that he tried to save his mother. Every time the son was doing well with it, she'd take all the money and give it to this cult. And so he couldn't get to Korea and get at them. So he's the next best thing is to kill Abe because his family is the one that let him in there. It's not and, of what I mean, obviously, yeah, you believe that's like,
7: like, that sounds very plausible. But it also sounds like the official. Yeah, well, I met him.
6: I actually had tongue cuts with Tetsuya, Yamada and Toshi. Why? Uh, in like twenty, was well, it before he? I didn't know he's gonna kill anybody. I mean, you know? that's like, really
7: crazy that you have. <laughs> I asked you that question, and you happen to have had personal contact with. Yeah, like I had. That.
6: Well, I know I was the Almost ambassador for Nara, so I knew all these families. Uh, the wealthy families they they owned the Kintetsu building and some other things. But
7: he was no longer wealthy, or he still was. Wealthy.
6: He wasn't, but he he knew these people. I want to know, like, what happened. And they're like, man, you gotta cover this guy's story because. They've lost millions to this cult. His mother, I'm like, why don't you take out your mom? But like, she's giving away all her money. Now He had an uncle in Osaka. Uh, I went and talked to him after the fact too, and got some more details about it. Because there are all these conspiracy theories. He's like, no man. He just he he almost assassinated him in Osaka, and he got cold feet. And when he came to Yamato Saidaiji, which is where it actually happened, he um he got him with his little. It was really like a makeshift potato gun almost. It was Sometimes a made. cigar
7: is just a cigar.
6: He just shot him and um and then laid down to be arrested. He didn't care. Um he wanted more or less the press to hear what had happened to his family than to kill Abe. And he's like, the what will get enough attention to draw, you know, attention Uncle to this Ted cult that's taken millions of dollars from some people, like brainwashed his mother and blah blah blah. Ruined his sister in his life is to kill the former prime minister. Now, you're right. And as a result, the election was the next day, and Abe's party, which was going to win anyway like one with even grander sweep because and there Abe was
7: significance didn't. because of the, but he didn't, issue.
6: he wasn't planning on that. He's like, whatever, the LDP wins every time. Anyway, like <laughs> there's really one party in Japan. They've been there in charge a, for 55 years. There <laughs> was a
7: significant constitutional issue though, I think was what kind of, they didn't get
6: me. that one though. Uh, yeah, yeah they wanted to change. <clears throat> they wanted to change article nine, which they'd have to change article 90 first, but the, uh, Kishida doubled the size of the military is building carriers. which are dumb because you can take this out with hypersonics, whatever. But that that had nothing to do with why he was assassinated. That happened that occurred, but he wasn't planning any of that. His was very right. personal reasons why he did it. And I can tell you, man, I remember going there five days later to film the spot where it happened because I live right near it. And there were still lines going back. I think it was six blocks of people with flowers and things to just lay on a table for Abe in the rain. They were there when it was like, it was super hot. They were there. People lined up and Nara is not an easy place to reach. And so they were, there were people from, from all over, from Mie, from Shiga, Kyoto, Nara, Wakayama, and of course, Osaka, everybody converged just to pay tribute to Abe for days and days there was still there a constant line of people giving bouquets of flowers and things i thought man i should have had a flower shop in nara city
7: and did the story (laughs) get the press or did they refuse did they deny giving the official the his actual story you know out of it was mixed like in english media didn't cover it really
6: um to five chan which is like the japanese four chan had it and you know, this guy had read a bunch of leftist blogs and stuff, and thought Abe was like secretly in league with them. He wasn't, but that's what this guy believed. He thought, oh you know, well, yeah, his granddad—they had all these left-wing conspiracies about Shinzo Abe being part of this Korean cult, and nothing could be further from it. He—he was definitely a Japanese nationalist, and you know, they—he during his prime ministership, they had argued over the. The island disputes, which I ain't gonna get into, but you know, the takashima and they're all arguing whose island is what. And this Korean nationalists can't stand Abe. China had a party when he died. I mean they hated his guts because he really stuck it to them too. He he was really good friends with Donald Trump actually agreed with the sanctions they'd placed on China together and uh but his party won out. But then the guy that's there now is Kachita's is the Yen has dropped like 30% in a few months and which is when causing I there,
7: more, I guess I don't, not that long ago this year, it it's was about even with the dollar. It was like free. I mean, shit was free. It was, <laughs> I love the whiskey <laughs> soda. There was like a whiskey soda tap at the table. I was sitting at $4 for an oh, hour to just drink whiskey whiskey's soda
6: always cheap. Yeah.
7: Oh, is it always oh, cheap? Oh, because it was yeah. like unbelievable. But everything was cheap. It was amazingly cheap. And my impression of Japan was always how incredibly expensive it was. But it was that's the because they base that on before. Tokyo.
6: Which is like saying America's expensive and they I went to Manhattan, Tokyo. you know. <laughs> like, I was yeah. in Tokyo though. It well, yeah, but Tokyo crazy. was thirty five million people and want, yes, like there's yes, places yes. in New York that are cheap yes. too, and there's places that aren't, you know, right. like it depends on where yeah. you go. But it's just the but they're the like, shame, Oh, right? the rent it's in Tokyo or something. Uh yeah, the rent is high.
7: Crazy though. But, the exchange rate was the difference maker, I think.
6: Oh, the exchange rate. If you were there recently, if you've been yes, there recently, this yeah. year, it's dropped. It used to be about a hundred yen to the dollar, so yen's a penny, and that's even a hundred pennies a dollar. Now it's like hundred and forty-nine or something. It takes a lot to get a dollar. So it's like a fifty percent sale on everything. But think, but whiskey's always been cheap. You can I didn't you can buy that. High end whiskey at 7-Eleven in Japan.
7: Yeah, I didn't even you can want to get, so get whiskey and high vodka ball. from
6: a vending machine
7: in I Japan. Bought you. I need the little cans of highball, which you can't get here. I literally want to move there just to. <laughs> oh <laughs> get yeah, those cans get, of those they highball. sell
6: Jack and Coke already pre-made, just sit in, in the convenience store. Now that's another thing about America. Like you can't, you could never allow that. You could never allow people to buy vodka from a vending machine and you don't need an ID or anything. It's all honor based because you know what would happen. People would take the whole machine in their truck and bring it to their house or kids would be buying liquor or, you know, there'd be fighting. You're not allowed to have such easy access to whiskey in a dysfunctional zoo society because they, there would be immediate violence. People drink and that their inner person comes out and their inner person and wants to fight with everybody all the time. But in Japan, you can buy hard liquor from a vending machine and any convenience store. There's no liquor store. I mean, we have liquor stores for like foreign imports and stuff. But any 7-Eleven, Lawson, Family Mart, whatever, you can go buy just about whatever. And I think they have all the tobacco smoke, but they have all that, too. And they have like cigarette machines and stuff, too. And uh, clothes and whatever just outside just put in a coin to do hit the button not a problem any time of day and there's vending machines everywhere isn't there <laughs> like, it's not like you inside a hotel you can find full
7: machine. of vending machines
6: yeah yeah
7: there's stores you go in and there's nothing there but vending and of stupid stuff like stuff i would never want a single thing in it it's just little dinosaurs and blobs and fake poop like there's just Different well, the the kids different think things. that's fun.
6: They got to got your yeah. ball. So they want to see like <laughs> which, which little item they're going to get. It's kind of neat. Yes. They have those in like lingerie stores and stuff too. There'll be oh uh, machines with underwear and stuff in it. And the reason for that, is, and it's in the store is it's embarrassing for them yeah. to go bring the item to the counter Mm-hmm. And be like, yeah, I'm buying my wife. Like, you don't yeah. need to know what we're doing. So they'll, That's excellent. it's very, it's not like shitty stuff. It's high quality stuff, yeah. but it's in a machine. So there's no personal interaction. So you can get your, your own no, or your I loved it. Or whatever I stuff. The culture was great. And you and don't I have said- to like tell somebody like what we're doing tonight. You know, like you can do it all discreetly. That's why they have people think those are outside. You can buy panties from video. Like, no, they're in they're in stores that already sell underwear. It's just an option that if you don't if you're like too shy to like put that down, they figured your sales increase if you don't have a personal interaction.
7: Yeah, my son and I both loved it. And we were both like, I'd love to move here. And I said, You know what, but I respect them too much to move here. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No, we're full. <laughs> we also like to rush I was just like, you know what? They definitely don't want us. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't go in their I mean, society, they would that, not want us. That's
6: a place I'd like to visit too. I heard they have I, a good I, it mass was great. Transit I've been system. there
7: twice. And I guess I doubt you can go there right now, but I went there, just happened to have an excuse to go there. Something cheap happened, and it was when the World Cup was there. And uh
0: Ooh. so it was like a
7: it was a, a fun it was just a you know a good time to be there. And then but I had been there ten years prior to that, like not right after the wall fell or anything but like enough after that it was an absolute nightmare like people just pushing each other and didn't understand lines or anything it was just not cool and then in that like 10 year period of time maybe 5 years ago versus 15 years ago it got extremely regimented as so some of the people in the at the world cup we were with were were saying this guy we knew who lived there he said you know in moscow now it's like it's like being in a city in Germany, and then he looked around to all the people. Was like, no offense, no offense. I mean, it's it's Russia, but it's just so Europeanized, and it really, really was. And I'm not saying that's better. I'm just saying it went from, in my personal observation, so I don't know what a st- statistics would tell you, from being you know, very disorderly to you know highly like European efficiency. And I and I you know it seemed like a they got their act together and they were, you know, moving in the right direction there, the impression. so we got a tour guide, and they they'll tell you so much grew up during communism. And Hmm. a lot of times they'll tell you that like, you know, it wasn't so bad. And, And I'm not, I'm not saying that's true, but like, they don't like, you know, some things that they grew up with that they thought was normal and good. Like, I don't know, not envying each other's shoes or whatever. They're like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as you might think and now yeah. like putin's so corrupt and he's got 15 diamond rolexes or whatever and the uh, argument was well but if everybody is better off and and some responses i would get would be such as like yeah but we have to work so so much harder i mean i can't i can't attest to any of that firsthand but i'm just saying these old communist oh. ladies are not you know 100% like you know, Putin's Putin's great. Give us give like, us long work hours and we like freedom, mm-hmm. but I you know I love. I I never understood when the first time I went there, I expected everyone to be a libertarian. Right. You know what I mean? And they weren't. Right. They were yeah. like social democrats already. I was like, but but that don't yeah. you understand? Like Your yeah. system, you have this opportunity yeah. to like have something that could yeah. be, you know, inherently. You know, that they could produce a lot of wealth. And, you know, the way I was thinking of it, but they were already. They have so many natural
6: resources and could be making like the Russian economy could really take off if they modeled themselves. The Japan has no natural resources with fossil fuels. They don't have oil. They don't have coal. They don't have natural gas. uh, But they're they make a lot of finished goods. So everybody knows what made in Japan, the cars and cameras and electronics and things. They have to build things. They have to manufacture things. You imagine if Japan was just sitting on oil the way Russia is,
7: but that's <laughs> like... why Russia's been targeted for since the czars. I mean, some people think that the czar mm-hmm. was taken out by Rockefeller. <laughs> you know, not you know specifically Rockefeller, but like mm-hmm. those who would have the uh, the monopoly on oil worldwide. And I almost wonder if they finally, after a hundred years, have given up on that and are like, okay, we're just dropping the iron curtain again because, and no more fossil fuels because we cannot owned by
6: oligarchs i mean they've had their problems putin's straightened some of it out it's some of it's unfixable like quickly it's uh it's
7: but they'll the pressure will never stop because they don't want it to fix because of the natural resources so they're not putting all their effort in japan to fuck it up because it works well and it works for us but russia they need it to not work well because it will never work for us
6: the russia needs uh Russia started becoming more self-sufficient because of these sanctions. Actually, the sanctions didn't work, but because of them, people have had to change how they live. I mean, they can keep the same standard of living they had before, but they're not living the way they did. They're having to work harder. They have to to produce more. If and when the sanctions are lifted, you're going to see finished products coming out of Russia. I mean, they're already doing a phone call to
4: Iran and said, uh, you guys have been getting around sanctions for 40 years. Tell us how you do it. You <laughs> want to do business? And Iran said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Yeah, and then they Pananonian pegged the ruble to your gold. <laughs> yeah. and,
7: and when then... their debt collapsed, that's probably a good thing too because they couldn't have a lot of debt coming into this cycle where we have over 100% GDP and they don't because they had they went bankrupt that time.
6: Yes. Yeah, just...
7: that... Forced autonomy.
6: There's a great book by Andrei Martignanov called Disintegration on sort of the myth of the, the overweighting GDP numbers. And then, oh, look at our GDP. You're like, yeah. Some of that's a lot. A lot of that's hollow. You really need to look at the standard of living for the common person and your consumer price index. I mean, that's what that's your real life. You know, how cheaper groceries, gasoline, your basic kind of things and your rent. That's what affects the most people in your country. Not how much total because, yeah, our GDP might be whatever number, but how much of that is Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and very select Mm -hmm. niche sort of things that don't bleed into the rest of the economy at all. Yeah, I'm sure they sold a lot of HIMARS because they they ran out of 155-millimeter ammunition they've used so much in Ukraine. They sold all of it. Now they're on cluster munitions because they don't have any of the artillery that they need left can't even make but it fast enough
7: a really high debt to GDP is even worse it's kind of like well, double counting 33 trillion dollars in debt. <laughs> yeah so you're so you're 33 trillion dollars in debt and that's whatever one and a half times your GDP and half of your GDP is paid for by that debt which is the defense stuff so it's even worse yeah, a lot so of this I government spending
6: that, counts as yeah. GDP <laughs> yeah and China yeah, has so the they- same problem yeah yeah looking at real like real numbers Russia has a healthier economy right now than the U.S. So
1: Interesting. Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. that. What do you guys think about like the whole BRICS movement? Do you think they are actually trying to get away from like the global hegemony? Hegemony? Are they trying to get away from like world Bank sort of thing, or are they just trying to make a separate system? Or like, what? What are your thoughts on? I look them at that as like rival US cartels.
6: Dollar. Yeah, you know? but I'd rather have a multi. I'd rather be multilateral than, you, than only have the IMF and World Bank. So competition is good, but they're I not agree. doing it because there's some altruist, you know, anti-globalist, whatever. No, they just want their own piece of the pie. But whatever, yeah. I don't care. Like, Look, that's why a lot of companies do what they do. But it forces them to compete with each other, which is good for the rest of us.
4: That's exactly how I see it.
6: Charlie yep. got it too, yeah. Market that's, competition. Yeah, Market I mean, competition not does great. not set out to be moral or anything. It just but it's happens expanding
4: to work. and it's it's starting to attract attention. This BRICS Plus that's added now seven new countries to it. So it's it, right. it's starting to take on now you've got another dozen or so that are sitting off from the side in the application process and all of a sudden you've got like 40% of the world's population in this mm-hmm. one conglomerate and a whole lot of revenue and a whole lot of natural resources and they're all shopping in on the company store you know it starts to become like oh shit, we have to in all of a sudden nato looks pretty you know ridiculous some of these uh, new
6: yorkers uh, getting a little nervous
7: congratulate these guys on their 200th show i have to go make dinner thank you for including me and uh uh, you know really hit the ground running there so thanks for getting my juices flowing see you next time
2: (laughs) thank you,
5: you bye
6: I didn't know there were girls on the internet.
1: <laughs> Monica's the best the old joke. Monica is Monica. Monica is the best. I liked her bookshelf.
6: There. There's a lot of good stuff on that. If you can see it. Bricks. She's competing with Mark on the bookshelf. What's that? She's competing oh, with Mark, Mark on the bookshelf. You might I be winning. Mark's now. got
4: a, a, a nice collection. Dude, that's going to
2: suck when you have to move, Mark.
8: A lot of people think they're uh, records because they're in milk crates, but yeah, no, it's a ton of books back here, and yeah, uh, I'm working on getting a U-Haul this week to shove them up to my new apartment. It's going to be a task, but that's why they're in milk crates, because it's a mobile bookshelf.
3: That whole wall, there's books. I have I keep a couple in, like I have E. Michael Jones' new Holocaust narrative back there. And then- <laughs> Um, the forced war from uh, I from didn't know inter- you read fiction. <laughs> Interesting,
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's in, a joke, it's a joke, <laughs> you know. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, no, it's 100% real. Um, in in, in Astu- uh Institute for Historical Reviews book, The Forced War, that's a really good World War II book. As I've been reading Institute for Historical Reviews, is that Weber? Before, 19, yeah, 1998. Weber didn't write that one, that was this was um. David Huggin but the um I met I I met Mark Weber a couple uh like last month or in August I was up in Nashville he was up there and it was the first time I'd ever met him and I was like this is the first time I had fanboyed over meeting somebody except for like the first time I met Ron Paul and I was I didn't know what to say to him except um I started reading you 25 years ago thank you um Let's not. Get... <laughs> I'm gonna have him on the show soon too, but um, that that episode yeah, will be uh, be be a little too hot for even maybe Rumble.
6: <laughs> yeah, Ron yeah. Paul's a legend. Yeah. anytime I've I've seen him many times, but every single time it's like it's Ron Paul, <laughs>
1: unbelievable. What happened
2: that with that guy? That got
6: got isn't right. Like that's that's I, I follow him. You know, that yeah. he's got it down.
2: What do you guys think about Rand? Like, what happened with him?
6: He's a different person, you know? Are you just like your dad? Probably not, you know? But he, you know, not. for a senator, he's pretty good. Like, compared to the rest of them, he's, one of the, he's probably the best, actually. He just falls short of his dad's shoes, but, hey, he's, he's still a Paul. I still, I mean... He was the only one to really, not the only, but only one of like five to really push back on Fauci from the Senate and really tell him you're parsing words, you're lying, essentially. I just wish he would go harder. Fun yeah, watching the Speaker like, of the House get ousted. That was I'm like, <laughs>
1: yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was
6: fun. a fun moment in the circus.
1: It is. It's a fucking circus, man. It, I mean, I love Rand too. I used to be a fucking Rand stand hard, dude. Like when I first turned into a libertarian, I fucking loved Rand, Rand stand. Uh, <laughs> whoever's throwing
2: up with the, name, the you need a new one. Yeah, you need like a Trump or He never behind had the or ambition
1: a, or the balls, dude. dude. Yeah.
6: Well, it's I mean, he's t- a, he's been good on some things, but like I can't think of another senator. I could say, yeah, he's okay. They all—they're all bad. <laughs> they all go and kiss the ring, sometimes the wall. But yep. there was <laughs> almost zero pushback the on the COVID <laughs> they all kiss stuff. The wall, man. There's yeah. like there was some twenty or so congressmen, but there's only like three senators that would do anything. And Rand's one of them, so take it as a W. Yeah, I think it's been good for Kentucky too, which is what he's supposed to be doing.
1: Well, I mean, I was just thinking about that. I was, I was talking, to, talking to somebody about that, uh, about um, how, you know, January 6th was complete bullshit. It was like, if it had been real in any way, shape, or form, we would have had at least one dead congressman, one dead senator. We would have had something would happen. They
6: would have play. brought weapons.
1: They we would have brought weapons. Who goes to like, an
6: insurrection unarmed.
1: You, you hear about him saying that they wanted to, like, kill uh, like a Mike Pence. So I was like... Dude, they should have rolled his head down the fucking stairs like a bowling ball. Like if this was a- like an actual, like a thing, like all I heard about, and I don't even know if that's true, that somebody came out with shoes, aoc shoes, and somebody took a dump on Nancy Pelosi's desk. And either way, I don't know if either of those. How do you know if she wasn't just shedding? True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
6: If it had been an insurrection and all those people brought guns, that the, that frontline cops would have been taken out within seconds. And that yeah. whole building would have been on fire. It would have been over. Then they all I would have, have gotten killed by the army afterward, but everybody in that building would have been toast.
1: Yep. Uh, you Unfortunately, our last me, real I
6: mean. shot was the Civil War. But they did kill the president. So. <laughs> Got rid of stinking Lincoln, at least.
3: Yeah, and it's yeah, one yeah. of those it's not true, but I wish it was.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish we had an insurrection on January 6th, but...
1: Yeah. What are you guys' thoughts on? I guess like-
6: Blair Mountain Rebellion was the last really big FU to the government in the twenties.
1: What's the Glitter yeah. Mountain Rebellion?
6: It's the largest rebellion other than the Civil War in American history. I've yeah, have never in the county, heard West in The Virginia. Blair Mountain
8: Rebellion happened sometime in June in New York City, but the Blair Mountain Rebellion is what uh, Ryan It was said. a million She's rounds. Like, they had Blair. used
6: the Air Force against them. It's It was huge. Hatfield McCoy. I so, remember um,
8: you talked about that on Tinfoil Hat. I was really blown away when I heard that because that was one of those stories that they just don't teach you in school, and it's one it's, of the yep. you know, pivotal moments in American history.
6: And it's really pivotal pivotal in the labor movement. I'm saying, you no, know, we got labor rights because of people rebelling with guns, not because somebody wore a pink hat with cat ears on it, you know, whatever dressing up like vaginas and stuff. You had the coal strikes in Colorado, and then you had this massive rebellion in West Virginia where people were being paid in script. Script pay is still slavery, by the way which a lot of these Yankee companies diverted to. It's just, it wasn't racial. It was white, black, whatever. You got paid in script. Living in tents, horrible living conditions, horrible labor conditions. And they shot a the sheriff in the back. There were a the number of things that set it off, and they rebelled. And this is where you get the term redneck, is where they, they would tie the red bandana around their neck so you could tell who was who, and were named the rednecks. The real rednecks were... Rebels with guns that took on the federal government, including the Air Force. And it went on for days and days and it went over a million rounds of ammunition. This was a little mini civil war in West Virginia. And it was because of that and the threat of that that they would finally change the labor laws. It wasn't because of people yelling at buildings with signs. It's because people shot at the people who were oppressing them. And that's why they don't want you to know about it. They don't want you to know what worked because it was violence. The thing they tell you never works. Literally the only thing that ever works.
3: Well, I mean, the the (laughs) last violence or the threat of
6: violence, that's it.
3: The the last real win that that really anyone had against the feds was the Bundy Ranch. And then, Yeah. uh, yeah, and that's why they had to, that's why when it went up to Oregon, they had to kill finicum so that they could always have something to they could always say well they didn't win in the end you know somebody somebody got taken out so and that's why that's why they assassinated him but yeah the bundy ranch was like really the last win against the feds
1: that movement it was is it part still part. moving strong like the last time i heard about that around the 2020 ish thing like the the bundy group was still like pretty active and
3: Emmons up so in, like, in Idaho. I mean, he's, I, I forget, I think he has, he's an elected official up in uh, somewhere in Idaho, but.
6: That's the <laughs> ramp all we too. need. Yeah. You know, parts of Oregon are going to join.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Dude.
6: <laughs> I got to dude. I fucking that wish.
1: Too. That's, I'm holding my <laughs> breath. <laughs> well, several
6: counties have voted to secede. <laughs> Oregon's
1: such a goddamn
6: cesspool, dude. It's yeah. It's unconstitutional. The county just like right media. beneath
1: us. Uh they they call themselves uh well they call themselves a sanctuary, uh they are a sanctuary county for gun laws. And they say they recognize zero gun laws and they say it's all unconstitutional. You can have machine guns and shit out here, supposedly, and the sheriff will back you up which is pretty cool. Like people think Oregon is like leftist and as Democrat as possible. And it is kind of in one, in like two counties, two counties make this blue as fuck. And the rest of it are just fucking rednecks. and want to have guns and want to have land, want to have fucking like get married, have kids and have animals, have a farm. That's it.
3: I've heard there's a lot of, a lot of Confederate flags in Oregon too. Yeah. I heard people fly a lot (laughs) of Confederate flags in Oregon. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's
1: yeah, my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, there. Nice. I mean, it's nice out here, dude. It it really is. It's fucking nice out here. Uh, we have a lot of passing... Alabama
3: flags here. Mm. People fly their Alabama flag here, and you know, you can tell certain people will fly both, but you, a lot of people will fly the Alabama flag above the uh, above the American flag.
6: The flag. Yeah. Uh,
1: Man, it's weird. Like, like I was saying earlier, being like coming from a libertarian, like anarchist perspective, I do want to have like a strong uh, something. I don't know, man. I wish I could fucking have an American flag out my out front of my house now and actually be proud to be an American. And I just I can't because it's so fucking pathetic and gross and gay. You can fly the Uh,
6: AIDS flag. (laughs) They're trying to take uh, October and June. Yeah. But there's going to be AIDS flags everywhere again. What
1: does an it's AIDS like, flag look like? Is it, that the, like trans rainbow flag? Flag. <laughs> the rainbow right. flag? The rainbow flag—that's yeah.
6: the AIDS flag. Isn't that the AIDS flag? The <laughs> rainbow. Uh,
1: the Pride Progress flag, I think, is. Uh, yeah, that's the new AIDS flag. Uh, absolutely. No, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's wild out here too. It's just like the acceptance out here is interesting because it's it's like. When you have right wingers like these conservatives, I guess, whoever were in charge out here, like we had a constitutional sheriff out here, like, but people are polite as fuck. Like I have neighbors that have tranny flags like fl- like flowing out there. I get no, they neighbors that, I get neighbor. Yeah, they're free. The politically correct term is groomer flags. clowns. yeah but like nobody gives a shit everyone is just chill as shit and they're right next to like the trump 2024 flags and everybody's just having a beer and having a barbecue nobody gives a shit but it's when those trans flag freaks are when they're in charge then we have to fucking walk on pins and needles and we're walking on eggshells and because like literally like
6: I never and cared and if they wanted to go fudge way. pack with each other. It's when they brought it to the school system and the kids and yeah. the castrating people. It granddad was right. It was a slippery slope.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, and have, I used
6: it, to be like, yeah, nah, let two people do whatever they want in private, it does, but it doesn't stop there. That's the problem. Yeah.
3: I mean, sodomy laws were in existence for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got rid of sodomy <laughs> laws, and everything went to shit. Does that mean yeah. no BJ's? <laughs> right.
1: Any, I mean, anything yeah. that takes place. We're talking about butt sex. Um. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> the covered work. way more yeah, than just. We're talking about
3: the Bible, life. not not the bullshit American code put in during during the New Deal regime.
6: So and Gomorrah is just uh, Hebrew for U.S. and Canada. <laughs> 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 or greek excuse me that's the older one we're there we're at that point it's unbelievable yeah. to watch if people can't tell which bathroom to go in we're so deep in our own end zone and no wonder they can't find military recruits i talk about grooming right going to a high school saying hey join the army <laughs> going talking to little kids yeah come here get a gun shoot at the russians
3: there's still there's still a lot of base people though. I mean, church church I go to. One of the deacons was like explaining how adrenochrome Co- was extracted from children and everything. <laughs> he's like eighty years old, and he's he, he just starts this conversation out of nowhere with me, and I'm just like, "All right, I guess huh. I'm in the right church."
2: See, yeah. Did, yeah. I I would still be going to church right now if that's if that's what my uh, my options were. But I come
6: visit. Church. I'm going to your <laughs> church. It yeah. <laughs> sounds yeah. like a good deacon right there.
3: Yeah, dude, that sounds awful, man. <laughs> well, my our our priest our priest is Indian from India, and he's like twice in the last couple of weeks he's brought up the fact that the Catholics were responsible for kicking the Muslims out of Europe. And I'm like, well, it makes sense if you if you're an Indian, because an in India, Indians know exact. I mean, maybe he has some Sikhs in his family, you know, if you if you know that whole history and everything. So, See, yeah, that's it's a funny. Based, it's a pretty basic. My, church, my yeah.
1: pastor is from Africa. Like it, it's something about the foreign, yeah, the foreign Christians that are pretty fucking base. They're not the cucky white. Oh, the African, the African ones are like
3: that, gay people. The, the African ones will get yeah. on rant about gay. About <laughs> he's about from Ghana, that he's like gay. hardcore.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I like the the Chechen said. They said, "Do you throw gays off the of rooftops, whatever?" And he's like, "No, no, no. We don't have those.
1: <laughs> we don't have we don't those have people. Those. <laughs> what gays?" gays? <laughs>
6: Yeah, I got. i was like, I'm indifferent to it. I'm not going to defend these people. I'm not going to pile on, but I'm like, that's your problem, you know? Because you lost me, targeting children, sexualizing kids, all this stuff. Why is it? Why do y'all want to go read to kids? You never want to go to the old folks' home. Just well, children. Then you
3: have that that video that um that leftist. That's I mean, it. hardcore leftist professor who just goes and proves that like every everyone who was responsible for queer theory, all the queer theory fathers and um,
6: Derek you know, Jensen, the, you're talking about yeah,
3: Derek Jensen. Yeah. He just goes to show they were all about pedophilia. They all. Uh, uh, all
6: and then when pedophiles. he says all, it means all, all of yeah. them. Because all of them. they're all pedophiles.
3: Yeah, all of them. And, and
6: a lot of them.
3: Yep. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, it is something he, that is a Talmud.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's something about it dude it, it, it is like this weird like globalist push maybe the bell i need to ding it i don't have the bell uh globalist I need to ding it. yeah this this group of folks that have turned homosexuality like uber political into this weird movement because like dude to me like you know who hates gay people who hates the gays lesbians you know, who hates lesbians, gays like they, they were never a united front, dude. I would I I, you I, say I everyone. I work in a kitchen, man. I was a chef. So like I'd hang out with these like crazy dykes that are sitting there smoking cigarettes and acting crazy, you know, and they they'd talk shit about fags. They're like yeah, he's a fucking flamer. You know what I mean? Like there's no there was no they were individualists. They were hard individuals and gay dudes be like, like they don't want to watch football. The lesbos want to watch football and scratch their crotch. The gays want to fucking, you know what I mean? Like the gay dudes are like, they had nothing in common. They, there was no LGBTQ, any of that bullshit. It's when they're mashed together and like, they're trying to mash me in there. I'm supposed to be Latin X and they're trying to cram like disabled people. They're turning to like a sideshow freak show of like, of like we're supposed to be the Island of Misfit Toys. That's what they're trying to turn us into. To turn us into like a political like a voting block or something, and it's just absolutely bizarre and retarded. Like, because I don't okay, have any problem with like old school fucking I gotta, lesbos. I gotta get going. Like,
3: I, I get agree. going. Congratulations on uh, episode two hundred, guys! And um, invite brother. You, you don't have to wait another hundred episodes to invite me back. <laughs>
5: okay, man. <laughs>
2: Thank you. I, I also
6: got a bounce. I got Take care, a guys. lot to do.
2: Get can we get congratulations? What's but that? Let's
1: call it an end. Can we get a final thing. Do I we have to say, say Rothschild?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <One more time. laughs> Pete, tell everybody where uh, they can Pete find <laughs> brother. you, brother. and Yano Show, PeteSubstack.com.
1: Hell yeah. Take Thank care, you,
3: brother. Guys. Appreciate you.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, Ryan, you said you had to go, buddy. Do you want to throw some plugs? I do.
6: And Ryan Dawson on Substack. Ryan Dawson on Rumble. You go. Thank
1: you, brother. Peace. Thank man. You.
6: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Hell yeah love you bro
6: i hope i offended a lot of people
1: you Sometimes. absolutely i don't know
4: did. man
6: you
1: were making a whole lot of
4: <laughs> Not sense you guys
6: but people <laughs> listening i hope i hope they got triggered <laughs> fucking anarchists.
1: <laughs> my fucking <laughs> audience is pretty goddamn but ba- you're right we'll Probably. offend some
6: anarchists yeah. tonight yeah all right. Cheers, well brother. boohoo. <laughs> hey that is it, it, dog eat dog right yeah so i'm eating them all right charlie how are you brother good
4: man i gotta drop off here too i appreciate you guys having me on and like it's a big deal 200 episodes a whole lot so congratulations to you guys i wanted to come on and show support and hang out uh it's good to see you all it's good to see mark
1: hell yeah Yeah, bro tell our audience everywhere all your links everywhere they can find you man
4: uh macroaggressions in audio format as a podcast wherever podcasts are served in video format i just started on rumble because there's people there and, and we have to plant like multiple flags so there's a channel on rumble so check that out or over on rockfin as well and uh you can follow me on twitter at macroaggression hell yeah dude me, guys.
1: appreciate you charlie later brother Bye. yeah thank you charlie
8: well Mark, I was uh, I was planning on telling you guys some werewolf stories, but you know, seniority he demanded that I let you know the big dogs talk. I've never been on a show with Dawson before, so <laughs> I appreciate it. I never met people it's I funny you say let talk, time. like dude, there's no letting well, Brian talk. Yeah, there's no stopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that also came to mind is like how 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 could you compete? He is a machine. But anyways, um, yeah. If you guys do have time for it, I highlighted some shit over here that I wanted to.
1: Fuck yeah, I want to hear oh. some werewolf stories. Hell yeah, man.
8: <laughs> personal it, or or like mythology or what? No, no, no. These are like werewolf encounters from the past fifty years. Like not even Let's old ones. Let's do it, like... bro. All right, hold on. Let me pull up the book again. I have an ebook. I bought it during this podcast, not because. Funny, no, nobody like said anything that made me go, oh werewolves. But I was listening to something uh over the past few weeks. Actually, just the past few months, I've been really obsessed with this one particular podcast called Mysterious Universe. And yeah, you know, I, I love have heard the of Mysterious Universe. People.
1: They're awesome, they're the and they're
8: always talking about yeah. different books. And I was like, Oh, what was that book they're talking about? And then I went and bought it because it came to mind for some reason during this conversation. But anyways, let me. this is what's great about Kindle. All your notes are in a list. So whenever you highlight something, you go straight to it. So they already talked about this on Mysterious Universe, but I thought it was so crazy that I wanted to bring it up somewhere. And this is the first podcast I'm doing, so I'm going to bring it up here. And uh, yeah, so let's see. Not the first podcast I've ever done for anyone who's never heard me before, but since I've heard this, I'm in the middle of rolling a blunt right now, so excuse the first me. First really good
2: know. podcast you've ever done. Let's <laughs> fucking well, do this, man! It's the, the first two hundredth episode, episode pod. No, maybe been. not even that.
8: <laughs> well, I've done a couple two hundred episodes, but yeah, it's funny. Last week I was on uh, Shane Newsom's two hundredth episode, so it's weird timing, but. Uh, Anyways, let's get to this story. So have you ever heard of the mad gassers? No. Okay. So back in the day, there were these like stories, criminals, you know, uh, going and pouring, you know, or uh, pumping gas into people's houses so that they would get knocked out. And then they can go in with a gas mask and steal all their stuff. Right. And I don't know how often this kind of thing still happens to this day. So. I hope I'm not inspiring any uh, crooked people out there. But uh, this story comes from a small town in Illinois called Mattoon. And it's a story that combines werewolves, secret society, the FBI, and the occultist, Alistair Crowley, of course. Right
1: up our fucking alley, dude. (laughs) Let's fucking do it.
8: This is, a, this is a nice story to, to christen uh, episode 200 of Reality are So here we go. Uh, back in the 1940s, the people of Mattoon, Illinois, were plagued by a sinister character who became known as the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. The mysterious figure gasses victims, usually in their bedrooms, as a way to gain entry to their property and take advantage of whatever caught his eye. On the night of August 31st, 1944, a man named Urban Rafe was overcome by a mysterious gas that provoked sickness, weakness, and vomiting. Despite Mr. Rafe's fear that there was a gas leak in the house, such was not the case. Rafe's wife, to her horror, found herself briefly paralyzed. Also among the gassers' victims was Miss Bert Kearney who also lived in Mattoon, and on September 1st, 1944, approximately an hour before the witching hour struck, Miss Kearney was hit by what was described as a sickening sweet odor in the bedroom. As was the case with Mrs. Rife, the gas caused temporary paralysis in her legs. It also resulted in a burning sensation to her lips and a parched feeling in her mouth. Miss Kearney cried out for her sister, Martha, who came running to see what was going on. She, too, was unable to an- avoid the powerful smell. In no time, the police were on the scene, but the mad gasser was nowhere to be found. Okay, so we're going to skip forward. So that's just to set the scene. There's all these gas attacks, okay? now Do they have any
1: they- idea what the gas that they used was? Or is this a part of a revelation? No, not... Called-
8: not that I yeah, not that I'm immediately seeing here in the book, but maybe it'll come up. This is uh, a book. I'll say the title later, so if people want to buy it, but it says, uh, thanks to the provisions of the Freedom of Information Act, we now know that one particularly notable theory being secretly pursued by u s. law enforcement officials was taken very seriously, that the gasser was not a solitary individual but an entire group of mad gassers, a secret society. One may say, according to Illinois authorities, they had heard disturbing stories of a clandestine cult operating in Northern Illinois, that it was inspired by the work of the great beast himself and specifically by Crowley's position on the matter of sacrifice and on provoking the presence of deadly werewolves that were said to have come from other realms of existence a number of victims of the gasser were woken up in the dead of night by what can only be termed savage hair covered fanged howling werewolves. This is where Brad Steger and Brad Steger helped write this book. Obviously he's not alive anymore for people who are familiar with Brad. He passed away uh, a couple years ago, but I think they used some of his files and help a Nick Redfern to put this book together. So, Brad Steger began to dig into the matter of the diabolical gasser, and according to Steiger, while they were reluctant to come forward at the time, a number of the victims of the gasser were woken up in the dead of night by these werewolves. And at least five of the town's women had savage sex with them and kept everything quiet in the aftermath. Were the werewolves brought forth from another dimension and engaging with Crowley himself? Crowley himself said of this issue, It is necessary for us to consider carefully the problems connected with the bloody sacrifice, for this question is indeed traditionally important in magic. Nigh all ancient magic revolves around this matter. In particular, all the Assyrian religions, the rites of the dying gods refer to this. The slaying of Osiris and Adonis, the mutilation of Attis, the cults of Mexico and Peru, the story of Hercules or Melkarth, The legends of Dionysus and Mithra were all connected with this one idea. In the Hebrew religion, we find the same thing inculcated. The first ethical lesson in the Bible is that the only sacrifice pleasing to the Lord is the sacrifice of blood. Abel who made this, finding favor with the Lord, while Cain who offered cabbages, was rather naturally considered a cheap sport. So it goes on. This is Crowley speaking here. They're quoting from Crowley here. Um, And he talks about goats as well. Uh, And then he continues and says some more uh, spooky, esoteric things about sacrifice. Uh, Not that I'm, you know, making light of such gruesome things, but I was surprised to find this because, you know, as far as I've learned previously, Crowley didn't write much about this sort of thing. But I guess he wrote a lot more than I originally found. What were you gonna say, Thomas?
2: Oh, so, um, I'll take, I'll make light of it. I don't care.
8: <laughs> well, that's what you two are here for. I'm just reading the story. So feel free to cut me off. Uh, the end. I, I sh-
2: do want to cut you off really quick and just say uh, the Mad Gassers was also the name of a bunch of guys that were in the Navy barracks that I was next to, but it was just because they would, yeah, they would just eat a lot of protein and just go and like as a group they would go and gas out. Right. Like uh, like like the command post or something. Yeah. Anyways, you're welcome for that. <laughs> Thank you. You can't say mad gassers and me not just think of these three navy dudes just walking around farting.
8: Okay. Right. Well, um, we all have that image in our mind now. You're so, welcome. well, back to Crowley's imagery. Uh, for the highest spiritual working, one must accordingly choose that victim which contains the greatest and purest force a male child of perfect innocence and high intelligence. And I think a lot of people have read that. I've read that before. Uh, but anyways, they depart from quoting Crowley and say, it was Crowley's words that prompted the Illinois sect, as the groupers referenced in the files, to explore the issue of human sacrifice for personal gain. From a budding author in Decatur, Illinois, there came a long and rambling letter in which he claimed personal knowledge of the group in question. Supposedly, its members had engaged in ritualistic sacrifice of animals from 1942 to 1943 and were, by 1944, ready to do the unthinkable, namely kill people according to the ancient rite and ritual. Our unnamed author further claimed that the gassing attempts were undertaken by group members as a means to try to render unconscious and kidnap the largely female victims and then end their lives, according to the infernal occult beliefs although the matter was taken seriously by the authorities the odd and controversial saga fizzled out when suspicions rose that crowley was lying and simply trying to insert himself in the saga of the mad gasser of mattoon and for a less than admirable reason to whip up the controversy and then write his very own book on the subject so i probably skipped over something pretty important based on what we just read there uh, i guess crowley commented on this whole thing um that's weird huh i would
1: like to know like kind of how the public felt about crowley at the time so crowley was a very public figure at the time right
8: yeah i think he was like i mean if this is the 1940s he was like three or four years away from passing away in 1944 so he was at the end of his life had no more money left and was like a drug addict so yeah i think he was just trying to drum up as much attention as he could writing Was he you know, kind of like
1: books. a like a, did he have like a celebrity status like did, was he a household name at the time
8: or No i think, I think his a- i think the celebrity kind of picked him up after the 60s and used them as like a symbol and that's when it became like a household name with like uh you know uh, ozzy Osbourne and whatnot but i think you had to be kind of familiar with it would have been people like us that would have known about crowley similar to you know there were people like this back then but based on what they're saying i mean they're cults back then that appreciated crowley's work and you know crowley floated around at a time when there was a ton of people who were in these theosophist groups and spiritualist groups and they didn't just disappear you know they were still around in the 40s so you know yeah totally there were definitely people who practiced magic back then who probably would have considered crowley a famous person um and yeah i don't know i don't know how much he was in the news we'd have to go and figure that out somehow yeah. but uh there's a bunch of biographies about him that would answer those questions but i
2: think you'd have to be fairly affluent to know about him in the 40s or at least because uh, i mean it seemed like a lot of people that were into a cult had a lot of leisure time and extra spending cash that others didn't in order to like get into that kind of topic
1: and th- it is one of those things where like even like existentialism and thinking about and philosophy and things like that, it is it's a kind of a, a it's kind of a luxury to be able to have time to think about these like who am I? What what am I? <laughs> this sort of thing when like the majority probably in the forties, they're like working their fucking asses off trying not to like, oh, where am, gonna stay? Where am I gonna sleep? What am I gonna
5: shoot?
1: Yeah, exactly. So like and so some fancy nonce douchebag like Aleister Crowley you know um it was a kind of a cunt a rich asshole <laughs> uh yeah that's funny um i wonder sometimes i think about it like who are our modern day crowley's like who are we gonna look back on a- well, and uh
8: and the weird thing is is it basically insinuates that you know the pe- people were like oh well crowley's involved in this so it must be fake but it really it i just Glanced over it again and it doesn't say anything about Crowley commenting on the Gasser story. So I don't know how that came about. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Crowley was definitely an unsavory character for sure and inspired people like Jimmy Page to do magic. I mean, arguably, Led Zeppelin is one of the most popular uh, classic rock bands of its time and they were definitely doing magic to make those albums, you know have a certain appeal right yeah. and a lot of the lyrics are you know cult influence right so yeah there's tons of examples of people i mean jimmy page is still alive i think right so he's he would be somebody who you know uh there's a whole story there about his you know dance with the devil and how it kind of left him basically unsuccessful now as a musician right. I, I don't know that matters much led zeppelin made them exactly. rich, but uh when it comes to the werewolf thing, it's just weird, you know, because basically what they're insinuating is not only did the gas render these people unconscious, but it allowed this sort of um, basically werewolf entity to enter into their perspective field and I don't know how much you guys have ventured into this realm on the show. I'm pretty sure you've talked about the paranormal a fair amount so you know, yeah maybe encountered this idea that drugs can be used to basically make a person more susceptible to certain forms of witchcraft and you know basically like this would be an example of a a cult doing it but there's another story in this book that's too long to read where they talk about potentially MI5 in England Using these shapeshifter sorcerer type characters to pull off assassinations, and they didn't like basically like they turned into a werewolf, right? So, you're thinking, like, uh, okay, so did they rip them to shreds? And it, I guess, what happened was the, the sight of the werewolf was so frightening that it basically killed the person that they had as an intended target, right? So, there are examples of this kind of thing happening. In the modern day and there's tons of authors who try to say like well you know maybe you know wolf werewolves are uh you know sort of side effect of people taking ergot by accident this sort of you know precursor to lsd that could be you know soiled in certain circumstances and causes psychedelic effect to occur in people who ingest it, right? I mean, and there's tons of other plants that could do this. Wolf's bane is one of the more, uh, you know, pointed at references, but I don't know how psychedelic wolf spain actually it is. It just might have the, the you know epinomical similarity, but it's it seems like there's a weird kind of overlap between psychedelics and these paranormal creatures, and maybe even the weaponization of the three in tandem or the two in tandem you know
1: yeah absolutely man i mean i guess that's always the question is how physical are these creatures or when you take these maybe psychedelics whatever it is these drugs uh how much that just opens you up to like these psychedelic psychedelic like different like levels of consciousness like how real are the machine elves and things like that Right. And where and when you can, because I know that there are some scientific studies that are going into uh, like things like DMT, where they're doing these studies where they're taking like college students and they're 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 doing it intravenously right now. So they can hold them at like their peak for like over an hour instead of just like 10, 20 minutes and you're done. That sort of thing. And they're actually having them map out what they see, where they go, like the creatures that they meet and things like that. And there's a lot of like overlap where they're like, hey, th- they can describe a certain location in a certain place and certain things and certain creatures. And mm-hmm. there's like so much overlap where it becomes it's like, are they actually going to a specific place? And maybe it's not physical to you or I unless we go unless we take that same substance that brings us to that place. Uh, and i guess we'll never really know because we don't know what that sweet smelling gas they were pumping into that house was they didn't um, offer they didn't that
2: major in my school <laughs> yeah i would have totally went and been down for like uh, clockwork elf landscaping 101 <laughs> yeah
8: <laughs> yeah man it's weird stuff for sure i'm sure there's a chemist out there who has written about it because the mad gasser thing happened in tons of different places it wasn't just in uh illinois where these attacks happened it was something that happened a lot in that time period maybe those gases were just suddenly commercially available for the first time and criminals got their hands on them i haven't heard that ever happening to people in my neck of the
1: they didn't have the internet back then. Right. So things didn't go viral in the same ways, you know, how there's like copycats of things that happen, you know, that's really Mm -hmm. fascinating that it was happening in like so many different places geographically. Like it's almost maybe like it was a, I wonder if it was like a group of, like they said, maybe it was a group of like occultists that were also robbing people that were, you know, I I don't know. I mean, that's really fascinating.
8: Yeah. It opens a lot of
1: questions
8: yeah it seems like in this case it made the people susceptible to whatever rituals you know bullshit these people were doing and yeah it's really sad that i guess some of pe- some of these people lost their lives or i don't know got you know sexually assaulted at the very least it sounds like the werewolves were up to up to some naughty stuff there uh probably not pleasurable i i don't know about you guys but i don't i'm not a furry guy so <laughs> i mean i'm I, sure I, the
1: werewolf had a good time but i don't <laughs> it doesn't sound the <laughs> said dude how fucked up is that though i mean and honestly how much because there wasn't that many experiences and people didn't have like a wealth of knowledge to like draw on and there wasn't like there wasn't like resources where people could describe things and like get answers for things like maybe it was just some sort of gas that kind of like maybe uh i don't know kind of knocked him out somewhat and like because i think about this like thomas you've talked about this before where like some of the mk ultra stuff they would do experiments or do something like fucked up to like a kid and they'd be like dressed up as like the Hamburglar, and mm-hmm. then like as uh, then the kids are describing what happened to them and they're like the Hamburglar did it and they're like okay yeah sure you know yeah, so maybe it's bunny
2: like, rabbit was there and ronald mcdonald yeah. was
1: there yeah so it might have just been some occultist jerk-off in a fucking werewolf suit, like like traumatizing, robbing, and raping people. Or and
8: or what if what if these like canine figure gods from the ancient times are real? They just yeah. you know like werewolves. And when people do this occult ritual activity, these werewolves come to life and you know, they want their sacrificial victims and they want to have You know, some sort of uh, Atlantean type orgy and all kinds of, you know, weird stuff going on. I don't know, man. That sounds
2: significantly less plausible.
1: Sure, but it's way funner. (laughs) (laughs) Like orders
2: of magnitude less plausible.
8: Well, this is a world that I like to put myself in. I, uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: Werewolf rape? That's the world you want to put yourself in?
8: No, the world of that <laughs> That's the world, bro. you
2: do you, dude. This has been Mark from uh, my family thinks I'm great. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
8: Oh, my New God. sponsor of the really show nice.
2: is Werewolf Rape. I
8: feel like I'm on ONA right now. Mark,
2: Mark 15 15% off your next uh, werewolf rape experience.
1: It's sweet smelling, don't no worry. <laughs>
8: yeah, it's it's like roses before you wake up. You're you know don't even know what happened yeah Oh man. It's, uh, it's you know it's some weird stuff for sure and it's halloween month you know spooky you know friday the 13th is coming up so i just figured i'd i'd bring something strange to the table for this 200th episode and uh, i love it man yeah because uh, I, I i'm that. the weirdo paranormal
1: one thomas is the fucking he discounts all the cra- i'll bring the crazies on and thomas slaps them down so I like it yeah I like I enjoy (laughs) all the
2: theories I just don't believe any of it
1: yeah I love it man no that's fucking that was a really awesome story dude and kind of awful for the people that experienced that uh yeah and who the hell knows dude I love the idea that is an actual like I do kind of i I'm a Christian. I have my own wild radical beliefs. I do believe in the paranormal. I do believe in demonic forces. I do believe in these other gods. Um, I absolutely could see something like that happen. Thomas is over there giggling at me. And uh <laughs> so I don't discount the the wild ride. But I also think it could have been just a fucking goon in a suit. <laughs> it was a piece of shit in a Maybe. cultist goon. And who the fuck Maybe. knows?
8: Yeah, Yeah. maybe. Yeah,
1: man. Mark, that was fucking awesome. I love it, dude.
8: Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, obviously, uh, that was inspired by Mysterious Universe. Got to give them credit. That's a great show. But dude, people uh, Want to hear more cool shit. Yeah,
5: Yeah, Yeah, I love love
8: Mysterious Universe. I like it. Yeah. It's good stuff. But uh, Juan and I are doing something similar uh, on our Patreons right now. Now, where we do like a just sort of dive into Falconelli, and I think once we you know get sick of talking about Falconelli, we'll move on to a different topic and basically just like looking for books within that theme. And uh, every Monday we've been doing doing a show, so trying to get back into doing regular stuff. So, uh, so yeah, look out for that. I, I don't know what's next as far as like free content goes, but. Uh, S- Esoteric America might come back. I just need to, I need to figure out my co-host situation because Chad got another job. You guys know Chad and Stemkey possibly, and then the homie Romy, he's out there like a freaking sea captain in Hawaii with his hands full. So I gotta find some <laughs> new co for Esoteric America. Oh yeah, yeah and I'll hope bring that show back because we got got into a lot of weird stuff uh, on that show as well. Um, today was fun. No I like like meeting all the the, the one what was it, one or two people that I hadn't met before. there's one, but uh yeah, it was good good gathering of people Nate
1: yeah, man i I like to get together some of the folks that uh kind of got me to where I am today as far as like intellectually and uh philosophically and things like that. and like every single one of those people were like pretty integral in like my journey is. Uh, becoming an anarchist and becoming Whoever the fuck I am right now and becoming a fucking Conspiracy theorist like uh, Pete Quinones, Who was uh, at the top corner Up there uh, he was one of the First people that like because I was a libertarian Anarchist at the time and he was a uh, pretty uh, Big in the movement and I Listening to his show Um uh, Um got me to listen to uh, Richard Grove for the first time. So, like, he introduced me to Richard Grove. He introduced me to Monica Perez. He introduced me to, like, James Corbett and, like, all these different people. And then it's been, so he kind of, like, woke me up to, like, this conspiracy theorist journey that I, like, uh, like found myself on. And then it's been, like, it's been fucking amazing because, like, I've got to talk to every single one of those people. I've got to have them on the show and have those conversations with them and yeah man it's been a lot of fun so i had to he was my number 100 episode uh pete was on so it was pretty fucking awesome to have him as my number 200 and uh i'm fucking yeah. stoked that you were also a part of our 200th episode as well mark so thank you for mark, joining us mark, brother
8: mark mark
1: mark mark
8: mark, mark, mark. <laughs> to be here. glad to be the last one to stick around i'm i'm a night owl so i could i could take it but uh I know Thomas and I are on the East Coast.
1: Yeah, buddy. Um,
8: Oh, I was also going to say, I was also on Thomas's show recently, which was a blast for people who haven't subscribed to his YouTube channel yet. You
1: should, man. Yeah, Thomas is fucking killing it over there.
8: Oh, we did this. We did this thing. I for, I don't think I released it to my Patreon yet, but maybe you did, Thomas. I'm, I'll release it. Just it just
2: passed YouTube because uh, I posted it to see. It got flagged for the longest time, but they finally okay. approved it. So I'll. Well, I'll no, I'm,
8: when it comes to the the prank thing we yeah. did, I yeah, wonder. About. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because I want to post that too, and Thomas showed me how to do this really neat trick. And I've been using it to prank some of the podcasts I listen to. I, I pretended to be Obama and I called into a podcast, <laughs> and they listened to it uh, on their episode today, and it was hilarious. Uh, it. And it, oh, I got the Obama to sound like Obama, like the AI sound. Nice man. Like him, so it was great. But uh, yeah, that was a fun show that Thomas and I did.
2: Yeah, who I was talking to, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, and they they said that. Oh, you mean it's like meme school? So maybe it needs to be like paranoid Americans meme school or something. I don't know. Hey, paranoid me,
8: programming is cool. I like. Yeah, I also like paranoid pranking. So, uh, you know, we gotta get together and do another. Paranoid we do,
2: prank. man. No, we gotta. We gotta just like be like a like a conspiracy jerky boys.
8: Yeah, oh, and I already have like a list of podcasts that do voicemail, so we could figure it out. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude.
1: No, I did. I was famous. I can keep a straight face as fuck. I'm great at prank calls, so let's
2: do that. Oh, yeah I all right,
8: all right. i that. think we yeah. found a trio here then cool
2: <laughs> I, c- right. I can't i could never do the calls but i knew like who to call and what to say to them so i could got gu- i'd find my friends that could do the voices and shit but the second i would try i would just like break out laughing like i'm the worst <laughs> person for that yeah
8: yeah yeah I hear you and I by know. the time I got into that kind of stuff it, prank calling was already kind of dead because everybody had caller ID so nobody wanted to answer a star six seven unknown yeah. number. they they knew it was coming and then everybody had cell phones so it's but like no one oh, does'
1: I, it anymore it's like it's ripe yeah. again right
8: yeah <laughs> yeah it is fun to to do
1: it. How I used to do it as a kid is like my mom was constantly at like Kinko's. I, you're probably so young, you don't even know where the fuck a Kinko's is. You know what a Kinko's is? When I was not yeah. around
2: when I was growing up. I worked, no. at, King, I worked at three yeah. different Kinko's.
1: <laughs> so, you know, they had the little spot by the computers in the back and they'd have a little place where you, there was a phone. Yeah, like all the would sit there. And all
2: the drug dealers would use that shit all, yeah. all the time, bro. It was just Dude, drug dealers. I would use
1: Kinko's like because they'd sit there with a big fat like uh like a fucking phone book and I would just pick people at random and I would just sit there and that's what I would do for hours. I don't know what the fuck my mom had like I don't know if she was a prostitute. What the fuck was she doing at Kinko's <laughs> for hours on end? What the fuck was that dumb bitch doing there? Anyways, uh, I had to entertain myself for <laughs> for hours. I would just sit there and do prank calls from the kinkos from the little free phone well, that's
2: usually where people would go to use the internet if they didn't have it at home it was usually to go to kinkos
1: we yeah. definitely didn't have the internet so she maybe might have she been doing was, that
8: maybe she was researching the illuminati on the computer <laughs> back in the
1: day. Been, dude. The <laughs> dude i mean she's the one that kind of introduced me kind of to this silly conspiracy world it's like she she was like a hardcore christian was like teaching me to like uh like lay hands on people and cast out demons and she had uh like these these books that like me and thomas love they're these little comic books uh uh from uh, from the, the chick tracks. track if you know yeah chick tracks these comic books where they would be talking about like uh the priests would be like raping nuns and sacrificing their babies to satan and things like that and like these wild books that would call out like uh the vatican and the illuminati and stuff and i would be like just reading these comic books as a kid and i'd be like asking her like mom is this true and she's like 100 of it 100 of this is true the catholic church rapes babies (laughs) (laughs) so i mean like that was like the household i grew (laughs) up in so like that was a world that i was a very it was a very magical mystical like world that i grew up in because at any time like satan was around the corner and i had to be ready to cast out a demon and like so i mean that did kind of shape me into the psycho that i am today okay. did she give you like
2: a demon fighting like did you ever get like a wand or a knife or anything cool
1: no that would be demonic you know the the fight that we it's spiritual battle so it wasn't physical we didn't have wands we didn't have knives but we were sitting there ready to pray in tongues and cast those demons out in the name of Jesus,
2: it's great, you know. What's it's funny to me though, just because as a Roman Catholic, speaking in tongues I always thought was like a demonic thing like that's a demon that just took over your body. That and doesn't you were happen. a
1: Catholic, so I thought it's that never happened in Catholic <laughs> church. Like, I would have assumed
2: <laughs> that someone speaking in tongues walking into a Catholic church would just burst into flames immediately. Yeah,
1: dude, there are charismatic Catholics, dude. There are Catholics that pray in, that speak in tongues and stuff. I've met them, yeah, like, I believe it. It's like, yeah, there's really cool weird like little sects of catholicism that i can get down with there's like well, mystic, i found out like, my Catholic. my grandparents
2: were opus day who's which is that that thing where like the dude that hits his back yeah and, um, flagellate the
5: freaking, themselves
2: yeah 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 that's like oh op- i mean they didn't do that part of it that, apparently there's like levels to opus day and that's like when yeah. you get to like the monk sect
1: but yeah i love it man fucking a mark Thank you brother for making our 200th episode so special, dude. We appreciate you, man.
8: No, I'm happy to be here. Uh thanks for having me. It was a great show.
1: Oh yeah, dude. Uh tell us uh tell all of our audience what's the best way to support Mark? What's the best way to support Alt Media United? What's new? What's your what projects you working on? All the fun stuff
8: yeah uh, like i was saying before juan and i are doing a show regularly and of course the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast is still coming out every week so go to our website my family i'm start there if you want to support the show patreon substack that's the best way to do it and that's how you get the, the show that I do with Juan, probably the show that I did with Thomas, Paranoid Pranking, and uh, some more fun stuff. I'm about to move into a, a new apartment, so some big, great new changes are are coming. I'll probably have more time to do podcasts uh, pretty soon, so yeah.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Thomas, what are you promoting tonight, buddy?
2: Dude, I got I got so many things coming out. The, the next big one though is uh, Frazzle Drip Funhouse, which I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, basically open it up for pre-orders on Friday the 13th. So what's that like a week or so from now? Uh, it's basically a, a 1980s inspired B horror movie comic book about an animatronic bear that gets adrenochrome spilt on him, and then he takes over uh, an underground arcade and then just like slaughters all the satanists working there. It's kind of like a reverse revenge tale. So it's it's a one-shot comic that guaranteed the the main inspiration behind it was just so that the word Frazzle Drip could be in like a comic shop somewhere. So like someone could just walk by and be like, "What's Frazzle Drip?" and then look it up and then be like, "Oh my god, what the hell is on my phone right now?" So I mean, <laughs> mission accomplished. That'll be on indiegogo.com pretty soon. And that, dude, I've also, I think I was showing you some pictures of this, but I got what I'm calling uh, Hunter Biden party packs, which I'll be uh, I'll be listing pretty soon. They're little, like, handmade, completely one-off uh, little, like, packs that I don't want to give too much away. You'll, you'll see some images of it. But, yeah, the Hunter Biden party packs. Um, I've got some uh, uh, Hillary Clinton Adrenochrome packs coming. If you don't know what that is, just pay attention. You're going to love it. So, yeah, paranoidamerican.com for all that stuff
1: fuck yeah gentlemen we love you thank you all right cheers
0: so you've decided to listen to the reality Ours podcast how brave of you nate and paranoid american may think that they're merely discussing cryptozoology interdimensional realities and crude humor but know this listening to this podcast puts you on a certain list the clinton body count if you will The truths they reveal are not for the faint of heart, nor the blissfully ignorant. Listen if you dare, but remember, some doors, once opened, cannot be closed. And now, your hosts, those audacious explorers of forbidden knowledge, the reality czars, Nate and Paranoid America.